and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi Doctor Who Series 6A Special. My name is Simon Meddings and as usual when we do these Doctor Who specials I am joined by the finest companions anyone could ask for, Kenny and Casey. Guys, welcome back to the Doctor Who Treks in Sci-Fi Special. Yay, welcome, yay. Hello everyone. Ah, great, excellent, cool. So, uh, Kenny, everything going alright your end? Um, yeah, everything's great. I've been podcasting like crazy and spent all day yesterday editing podcasts and now I'm doing this podcast, and then I'm heading out and going to be recording um, uh, one of the crew members of the guild for or my companion cast podcast, so yeah, busy, busy, busy. Cool, and Casey, how about you? Well, I'm planning a wedding, uh, I just revised um, my personal blog, and I'm now co-hosting Anomaly Supplemental with the Anomaly staff for the Anomaly podcast. How many times should I say Anomaly? <laughs> 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 well, it depends how much we charge you for, for saying it. <laughs> that, that, that wedding fund's just gone out the window. I know. Dang it. And you got you got Labyrinth coming up soon, yeah? We do. Uh, Sue and I just wrapped on uh, Slings and Arrows, and now we are accepting comments for Labyrinth. So if any any of you are Jim Henson or David Bowie fans, please send a, send us MP3s. I love Labyrinth, so you'll be getting something from me. Good. I love it, too. Every now and then I think it's cheesy, but it's just pitch perfect for <laughs> family fun, I think. Oh, yeah. Where would we be without a geeky fun? And let's face it, you can't get more geekier than Doctor Who. Um, huge change in uh, this series. Uh, one, it's in two parts. Uh, but the biggest change, I think, is the fact that uh, UK and US have had it almost simultaneously. Uh, Kenny, uh, good move? Oh, yeah, definitely. Very, very excited that we get at the same time. You know, I found other means, I'm putting in quotes, to, uh, to get it. You know, when it was a week behind, it's not as bad, but when it was several weeks or a month behind, you know, you try to avoid spoilers, and with Twitter and Facebook, it's so hard to do that. So it was great that they were doing it simultaneously the same day. I personally think that it's a really good move. Um, Kevin and I don't have cable, so we were able to find a way to watch it, but I think airing it the same day in America as it does in the UK, um, it decreases piracy, maybe. <laughs> and um, <laughs> But it's also a big boost in ratings because people were able to see it the night of. So I think it's a really good move. I think it is. As well. I think it also brings that kind of uh, fandom of different countries closer together as well. Uh, I don't know if you guys did, but when uh, the first episode, uh, The Impossible Astronaut, came out, we had a Doctor Who party here, and we do every time a new uh, the first episode comes on. Uh, and you kind of like to think that, that ha that's happening in America as well, you know, like that yeah. sort of joint, huge joint party thing. Uh, right then, so let's crack on with the episodes. Uh, episode 1, The Impossible Astronaut, broadcast the 23rd of April. We're in the middle of the most powerful city in the most powerful country on Earth. Let's take it slow. It's all right. I'm sending my best people. So let's have the overview here. Uh, the Doctor is back. It's the biggest, most mind-blowing series opener ever. Amy, Rory and River are also here for the adventure. It combines humour, shocks for our heroes and one of the creepiest creatures we've ever encountered, the Silence. The Doctor is engaged in a quest that takes him from the beautiful area of Utah 
or to the White House, where he's enlisted by President Nixon uh, to assist former FBI agent Canton. His mission to save a terrified little girl from a mysterious spaceman. Um, Kenny, your views on this opening episode, and most notably the opening shot. Um, you know, uh, I enjoyed it. I don't know, because for ours, I don't know if they did this for your guys' in the UK, but they had like a, an opening with Amy Pond voiceover, talking about how she met the Doctor and... Did they show that on your guys' end? No, we don't have that. No, that's new. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a, it's just like a 30 second little bit of her saying how he came into her life and how she followed him and now they trial and they show clips from like season five. Right. And then it goes into the opening of the show. And uh, maybe it's just an American thing to try to, you know, get people in the loop so they don't have to watch the previous seasons. Yeah, new, new listeners, uh, well, new viewers yeah. to, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I found that interesting at first. Um, for the episode, I enjoyed it. It was different. Mm. It, it, you know, it wasn't your typical season opener. And, I mean, you know, the doctor gets shot at the very beginning. Dies. It was beautifully shot. Some yeah. of the best, best shot. There's one shot where the, the barge is burning and then they're all staggered back. Yeah. And it's one, and it's like sunset or it was sunrise, I guess. But it was gorgeous. And that, I think, stood out most to me. Um, I enjoyed the story. It left so many questions, but I knew with Stephen that eventually we will, we'll get answers to it. So that didn't bother me as much because I know some people were really upset that there were so many questions unanswered. But, you know, that's just his writing. And yeah, but, but overall, I, I, really, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good start for the season. I just want to know what it was like in, with, with the, in the meeting with the creative producers and the creative team and the cast where Stephen Moffat goes, okay, First five minutes, I'm going to kill the doctor. <laughs> Matt Smith was probably like, what? <laughs> I don't have a job. <laughs> but I think, I think it was a really interesting way to begin, to begin the season. And I really like the silence as creatures. I think yeah. they were appropriately creepy. I think they, they scare me more than the weeping angels do. Oh, yeah. Be yeah. Because I don't like the thought of seeing something and then turning around and then totally forgetting about it and then turning around again and just having yeah. that sense of deja vu. I don't like it. I hate it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, there's, there's some old, well, there's maybe a classic Doctor Who thing to have. And also, um, it reminds me a little bit of Family of Blood uh, when, the, when the Doctor traps that one in the mirror. You know, yes. He says, every time you look in the corner of, corner of your eye in the mirror, you think you see somebody. You know, uh, so, I mean, which I think is pretty freaky, but I absolutely agree with you. I think the silence, um, and pe some people knocked, knocked the silence. I don't know how they could, because I thought I wouldn't want to be face to face with him. I thought that was, uh, pretty terrifying. Um, the killing of the doctor through mid regeneration. Oof. You know, that, as you say, that's, that's a big opener for anyone. The trouble is, is yeah. that, um, we'd had a lot of reports over here, mainly through Doctor Who magazine, that it says, well, uh, one person will die in the first five minutes. And you kind of think, well, Rory dies every time, so, you know. Uh, <laughs> Poor that, that's, Rory. That's, 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 which, of course, he's, he's less face it. That's a, a very, very important story arc. People think that's just uh, some lazy writing going on. It is not. It's a, it's a very strong story arc going on. But for the Doctor to die, you do think, well, where's this going to go? Of course, you know 
you know, deep down in the back of your head, you know for a while that he isn't dead properly because otherwise the series would end. And, uh, yeah. You know, we know that there's a, a you know, Series 6B coming and we also know there's going to be a Christmas special and, of course, Matt Smith's already signed up for um, <laughs> for the next series. So we know yeah. those things. But yeah. it doesn't matter. You take yourself out of that. It's still, it's still pretty good. Um, yeah, as you say, Rory. Uh, Rory, uh, Arthur Darvel, I think... Um, he got a bit of a bad rap uh, in last series, uh, series five. But um, even in this opening episode, I, I noticed a distinct change in Arthur's, whether it's Arthur's delivery or the character of Rory. Um, mm-hmm. Kenny, did, Kenny, did you notice that? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, in the first one, he was bum- in the first season five. He was like bumbling and very unsure of himself. This one, he was definitely taking charge. You know. He was more part. He was part of the group more. I think he felt more comfortable with Amy also because with in season five you you weren't really sure if Amy liked the Doctor or liked Rory, mm. but she chose him at the end. And now he's more confident in himself, in their relationship, in the Doctor and Amy's relationship. I just think he has a, a confidence about him. Yeah, uh, Casey, uh, the role of Canton Delaware in this. Uh... I would love to see Canton Delaware as a future companion of the Doctor, especially since you know people know him as. Badger and as Lambkin from BSG, he is like a sci-fi staple, and he's so brilliant. And I would love to see more of him, but you know, he's what I'm going to guess is that he's just going to make a couple of more appearances this season, and that might be it. I would love to see more of him, but that's never a guarantee. No, nice little touch there as, as well of using Mark Shepard's real life father, uh, William Morgan yeah, Shepard, as awesome. old cancer. Yes. Nice little touch there. Um, yeah. Great directing by Toby Haynes. Uh, must give him a, a nod. And, and well done, of course, uh, we should say, to the American film crew who filmed all the Utah stuff. Uh, must give uh, you uh, American chaps over there. With the <laughs> I suppose. Um, <laughs> so let's have a little, just a couple of facts about uh, about this one. These are little trivia things I like to throw in uh, uh, to, uh, to mainly to you two. Uh, <laughs> and, when Canton is still learning some of the secrets of the TARDIS, the Doctor says to him, Braveheart Canton. Uh, this is actually a nod to the fifth Doctor, who always used to say uh, to Tegan, uh, uh, his companion, have Braveheart Tegan. Uh, when he died, actually, those were the words that came back to him. What do you guys think of, uh, Casey, what do you think of the actor who played President Nixon? That's a good question. Well, just because Nixon has a pretty bad rap over here, um, at the same time, you get, you know, other historical facts and and you watch, you know, Frost Nixon and you think there's a totally different side of this, of the president. But at the same time, I don't know how I feel about um, Nixon being portrayed as kind of a, in my personal opinion, he kind of appeared as a bumbling fool. But, you know, and he seemed a little more, I'm so used to seeing him as a grumpy old man. It's just, yeah. there's a disconnect there. I think the actor did fine, but... Yeah, I mean, from, from an outsider's point of view, of course, I mean, it, we only, as like what Casey, what you said, you, you tend to only hear the, the bad reports of Nixon, the uh, Watergate issues, uh, generally what anybody only knows him of, you know. Um, yeah, of course, he did do uh, a lot of good stuff as well. Um, I personally think that this was a better use of a U.S. president than what they did in uh, Obama. Uh, with the you know, when the master was there, I I didn't like that because I don't like present day um, leaders being used for television series. I think it dates it as if you use a past president or a past prime minister or a past monarch, you can get away with it. 
Um, it's a bit like what we always say in MASH. You know, MASH is timeless because it's set in 1953. It's, you know, this is set during uh, Nixon's time. So it doesn't, doesn't you know, it's a history. Uh, I think it works a little bit better. Um, overall, I think, I think this is a great opener. A lot of people actually panned this opener. Um, I don't, don't see why. Yeah, I mean, other than, other than asking lots of questions and not really getting many answers, I thought it was really well done. Um, and uh, yeah. L- Lowell and Hardy, the scene with him in uh, the Lowell and Hardy film, in, uh, what was it, uh, oh, what's the film now? Oh, uh, yeah. Deuces. <laughs> oh, you talk about when the doctor was jumping in all those scenes. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry. Was- I did, I was just like, what is he talking about, Laurel and Hardy? <laughs> <laughs> Were they the silence? What? <laughs> it, was, it was one of them things, you know, when you just suddenly, suddenly it just jumps into you. I'll tell you the reason why. Just behind me is my huge Lowell and Hardy box set, and it suddenly clicked. Oh, God, he was in Lowell and Hardy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for, for me, being a huge fan of silent movies, I hope a load of young kids have suddenly started thinking, who who's this fat fellow and the thin fellow with the, the, the funny looks <laughs> on the back? And I hope they go and try and search out the old, that classic 1939 film. It's a, yeah. it's a brilliant, brilliant mm. uh, film. Ah, dear Lauren Hardy, brilliant stuff. So, <laughs> episode two, uh, Day of the Moon, uh, broadcast Saturday the 30th of April. This world is ours. We are not fighting an alien invasion. We're leading a revolution. Wait till you see what's coming for you now. And the Doctor is locked in the perfect prison. Amy, Rory and River Song are being hunted across America by the FBI. A terrifyingly powerful aliens have invaded Earth and it's about to get much, much worse. So, the second episode. Uh, the only thing I will say straight away. One, awesome acting again. Uh, <laughs> in the role of uh, Canton. Uh, that, his character was just fantastic in this episode. And to kill everybody and then have also the Doctor with a beard, you know, you, you, can't, yeah. you can't get much better. This was a fantastic yeah. follow-up. I was so... I I really liked the second episode um, because there were... They, this season, in general, is is having a lot of what I like to call OMG moments. Where pretty much at every turn you're just like, oh my god, oh my god, what is that? Oh my god! <laughs> so it's it was pretty much that all the way through. Um, I think what I liked more were the more subtle moments, like when um, Rory was talking about how he sometimes remembers being the last centurion, and yeah. I like River Song more because she's becoming less of a caricature and more of a character, in my personal opinion. Um, she's talking about how the more she sees the Doctor, the less he remembers her. And my favorite line is, and one day it's going to kill me. And it harkens yeah. back to season four, and I was so close to tears on that moment. So, uh, do, you, do you think this, this why they've done this with... Um the Doctor's timeline and her time going up his direction, do you think this is working? Because I personally don't think it does. Um, because, like you just said then, the Doctor uh, is not remembering her. Well, he is, though, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think it works that way, really. Uh, I think it's a nice idea, but I just think it's, it's a little bit confusing at times. Um, whether it's meant, you know, it's meant to be, we know that. But yeah. sometimes I forget about that. I don't actually 
take that into consideration anymore. I just think, oh, here's River again. Yeah. Oh, and here's the Doctor again. You know, just just popping up and they seem to get on with it and that's it. Yeah. Also, as a time traveler, you would figure that he would know what point in the timeline he's appearing in her life, but maybe not. As, mm. But I guess we can talk about that more when the series 6B comes up. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually enjoyed this episode more than the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the beginning scenes with the death of all the companions, that was more shocking than the death of the Doctor. Yeah. For, for me. Just because it was Canton who was doing it, and they were all hashed up with those marks, and you really had no idea what was going on. It was just, it was a very bizarre feeling. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great conclusion for that two-parter. Mm. You know, it, it, it made sense. It, of course, left lots of questions, and you still didn't know what was going on, and, you know, you had to take that leap of faith that you would be told eventually what was happening. Um, I've always been a fan of River, so, you know, I love her, bring her back as much as possible. And uh, I, I do agree that it's very confusing about the timeline, her going backwards and him going forwards or mm. vice versa. Or I Honestly, I just try not to think about it because yeah. it, does, it does hurt your head when you try to think, okay, well, if she met him here and then she saw him here again, but then that didn't happen before. And, you know, they act like they've known, like you said, they act like they've known each other in every scene. And every, every time she comes back, it's like they've known each other. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've heard as well, I mean, obviously she manipulates her time through a time vortex. As he's a yeah. time lord, so he can mm-hmm. go to, to any point in time, and he could he could go and meet her tomorrow. In fact, in the well, we'll talk about it later on. We've uh, taken her out for her birthday, uh, which is a bit weird. I tell you what, I I really liked in this was the uh, children's home. I think that, that was, was scary. Oh, that was terrifying. That was terrifying. Yes. How can oh, you say I you? How can you say you like something that scares you? That's ridiculous to me. I could say that's, that that's the whole that's the whole point of horror. That if it scares you, it means it works. That's no, thing, you know? no, it does not work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's. I, mean, I think um, Kerry Shaw, who played uh, Doctor Renfrew, he just that was brilliant stuff. But I mean. This is the first time, of course, that we get to see um, the eye patch lady, who was later on we yeah. get to know as Maiden yeah. Kavina, played by uh, Francis uh, Barber. Mm-hmm. Um, quick note uh, about Francis Barber should be that um, she was uh, in the episode Polymorph of Red Dwarf. Uh, nods to Ari Stud Farm there, Anthony, on our forums, who uh, will mention Red Dwarf as much as he can, and rightly so. Um, I, I find her horrible. Uh, not 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 her as a person, not not uh, not Francis, but her character, uh, Madame Cavian. She's just quite a scary, scary person. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want her looking at me through uh, you know, <laughs> through the wall. <laughs> no Any- way. Anybody with an eye patch is terrifying. <laughs> See pirates. You know why people think they're scary? It's because they have an eye patch and they're missing legs and arms and they're terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you're really having a bad day if, you, if you're working and somebody comes up to you and they've got an eye patch on one leg and one arm. They're going to have a bad day, aren't they, with you? Yes, I'm going to be like, ah, and then I'm going to throw something. <laughs> <laughs> so if any, anybody who's listening who's going to be taking Casey out on a, a final night of being a single woman, uh, don't get her a stripper or anything like that. Get her a pirate with no arms or legs. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. So sweet. Uh, of course, we've got all the silence going on here. There's a, quite a few connections from the last series to uh, to this new series. Uh, most notably, obviously, with the uh, the eleventh hour and uh, vampires and Venice for the flashbacks and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but. What their time machine? Do you think this is the same time machine that we saw in the lodger, or do you think it's a, a another one? So they've got several of these about. Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I didn't really put two and two together. I assumed it was another one, but I guess it could technically be the same. Uh, I love that they brought them back. That you know, we got a little taste of them in in the fifth season, and then the full on version in in uh, this episode or yeah. these two episodes. Uh, that's one thing I love about Stephen Moffat is that he'll pull stuff from seasons back and and just they're not like throwaway stuff he really plans it all out yeah yeah you know well there is there is a line in this episode in which the doctor does say uh, oh very Aikman road which is of course the road where the lodger was set um, oh, okay. so it says very Aikman road so it doesn't say it's the same one it says all oh, very much like I'm going to mention a, a quick uh, a quick nod here um, with President Nixon uh, as they part company the doctor cheekily asks Nixon to deliver a message he asks Tricky Dicky to say hi to David Frost for him a reference of course to the big interview with Frost Nixon now anybody any listeners to waffle on there will know that that's my credit to David Frost on this episode. Uh, I'd like to get David Frost in as many times as we can. Now, uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's the episode two lined up. So let's uh, crack on with episode three, The Curse of the Black Spot, broadcast on the 7th of May. Yo-ho-ho! Our senses picked you up. Ship in distress. It's dangerous here. There is a monster aboard. She leaves a mark on men's skin. Uh, Doctor, what's what's happening to me? Your stowaways. <laughs> Amy, what are you doing? Saving your life. Okay with that, are you? There's a stroppy homicidal mermaid trying to kill all. She's here. Uh, the TARDIS is marooned on board a 17th century pirate ship, Casey. And oh. the Doctor is soon being forced to walk the plank at gunpoint. But things are going to get worse. Beset by terror and cabin fever, the pirates have numerous superstitious explanations for the appearance of a mysterious siren. The Doctor, though, has other ideas, but as every plan of escape is thwarted, he must win the trust of the amazing Captain Avery and uncover the truth behind the pirate's supernatural fears. And he must work quickly because some of his friends have already fallen under the siren spell. Most notably, Wally, of course, when he goes and drowns the idiot. Uh, one thing, um, <laughs> Hugh Bonneville pops up here as the uh, as the captain, and uh, Lily Cole as the sea siren. Uh, Casey, your views on this episode? I liked it. It's not my favorite. Um, I did like the other OMG moment at the near the end of this episode, where you realize that the siren is not an evil creature. It's actually you know, a healer. It's a doctor. But uh, I just enjoyed Hugh Bonneville's work in here too. Um, yeah. I've seen him and I've seen him in other things. I've been watching a little bit of Downtown. No, Downton. Downtown. Yeah. Uh, I live in the city. Sorry, uh, Downton <laughs> Abbey. <laughs> um, and like I've taken little bits of it, and he's you know very understated and very brilliant. So it's kind of cool to see him take on a bigger character. 
That's what I liked. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed this episode. It was fun. It's just one of those fun episodes. Like a standalone. It really didn't connect with anything. Mm-hmm. You couldn't figure out what was going on. I, I had no idea what was happening. I thought she was bad all the way to the very end. So I did like that aspect of it. Uh, what My only complaint about this episode is that there's a huge mistake when one of the pirates, he just kind of disappears halfway through the episode. Kevin mentioned that. I yeah. I totally guy, wasn't paying attention. Who, yeah, it's the guy who gets he gets put in with the kid and Rory and uh, Amy, um, and he's not cut or anything, so you don't know where he just all of a sudden disappears to. But he shows up at the end, you know, with all the pirates are on the spaceship together. So I'm like, well, maybe he got cut somewhere. It obviously was a scene that was shot and never it was edited out. But it was a weird. It's the only time I've ever noticed that with the Doctor Who episode that there was an actual a very big. I mean, to me, it was big just because. It's like, well, where is this guy now? Yeah, yeah it was very, no- very noticeable, I must admit. But uh, as you yeah. say, it's probably one of those things where he had an extra scene and uh, someone come along and, you know, uh, uh, yeah. you know forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, typical movie, but there, there you go. Uh, yeah, Hugh Bonneville, though, just brilliant. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I really like Downton Abbey. Uh, I didn't think I would do, but I, I, I actually think he would have played a fantastic master, like the old, you know, the older mm-hmm. version of the old ones that we had in the 70s. But yeah, I, not my favourite episode, uh, must admit, not for any, you know, I'm not saying I hate you or anything like that, um, but it was just one of those episodes that floated along and didn't really have anything to do yeah. uh, with the main story, which, which is no, no bad thing. Um, Lily Cole, who popped up in here as the Siren, um, she's appeared in uh, The Imagineering of Dr. Panassas in 2009, and some uh which is really because she's generally known as a model. Um, location work for this episode was uh, done in Cornwall. Pirates of the Caribbean was filmed there as well, using the, the same ships. Uh, pretty good to use proper ships, but of course they didn't move. There wasn't there was in the sea, but uh, moored. But you know, you're never going to know that. That's the idea of good uh, good effects, I think, more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eye Patch Lady pops up again. Uh, I think I think some of us were thinking, oh, is this going to be another one of those? You know, the crack. Turning up like yeah. we had in the last season. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, well, you know, we know now that that, that paid off pretty quickly. I think uh, uh, probably a good thing of having the season split into half. Uh, not bad, not a bad episode, but uh, not as uh, not as good as the next one, episode four, the Doctor's Wife, broadcast Saturday, the fourteenth of May. I've got mail. There's a living time lord sitting out there. The house, what's the house? We walk on his back, breathe his air, eat his food. And do my will. The little boxes will make you angry. Uh, You're like a nine-year-old trying to rebuild a motorbike in his bedroom. You are not my mother. Why shouldn't I just kill you now? Now, this, uh, this episode was wrote by acclaimed uh, sci-fi writer, comic book writer, Neil Gaiman, and features Serene Jones in the title role of, in brackets, uh, The Doctor's Wife. Uh, one of the U-turns up, actually called Nephew, played by Paul, Paul Casey, uh, on this strange planet that has loads of broken-down TARDISes. Now, I'm just going to start straight out here that uh, this was seventh heaven for me. Uh, apart from Gaiman writing it, it has... The, the TARDIS. It's the, as you know, I've mentioned it every time we talk about Doctor Who, I adore the TARDIS. And for the Doctor to get his, you know, this next message in a white cube, uh, which was first seen in the War Games, which is a Patrick Troughton episode. In fact, it was 
Patrick Troughton's last episode when he got sentenced by the, the Time Lords. That, there's another Time Lord out there and he gets there and there's all these decrepit, broken-down TARDISes and he makes a false, well, a, a, you know, a bodged-together TARDIS using the back panel of the fifth Doctor's TARDIS you know that that to me is geek heaven. Uh, I, I I I I've watched it three or four times over. The only thing I didn't like about this episode um, was the fact that when you actually got to saw the corridors of the TARDIS, it looked terrible. Um, considering how good the console room looks, I, I thought these corridors looked awful. But it's better than uh, what we used to see in the fourth Doctor's reign, which was basically an old Victorian hospital, and they used the corridors there. But I thought this was a, a an excellent episode, uh, Kenny. Loved it. Was one of my favorites. Um, I sobbed through half of it, and it was just—it was well done and well written. And I loved uh, the Doctor's wife, or sexy. Um, <laughs> she, she honestly, she reminded me of the Doctor Donna. Yeah. With her quick talk and her wit, and you know, she has all that information in her head. And that's honestly, that's who I thought of when I, when I heard her talking. And you know, I'm a huge Donna fan, so. Mm-hmm. It, I love that part of it. I like that they that you know they kind of fleshed out some stuff about how the doctor stole the TARDIS, but technically the TARDIS chose him. Yeah, that was beautiful. You know, that was kind of cool. Um, just the fact that this technically is the doctor's love. His first love is the TARDIS. I mean, mm. and, and to be able to physically talk to her and have interaction with her, I just it was just such a well made, very interesting story. Yeah, Casey. Yeah, this is probably one of the best episodes probably ever in Doctor Who's history. And, you know, hats off to Neil Gaiman. I mean, when we found out that uh, he was writing an episode, it was pretty much like Christmas. And we were waiting (laughs) for it to air. Um, And we were very happy when it was moved from episode 8 into um, episode four, and yeah. just seeing the Doctor interact with the TARDIS and the TARDIS having a voice, it was so, so beautiful. And the title was appropriate. And, you know, going back to the point that Kenny made about the Doctor Donna, you definitely heard, heard the Doctor Donna in um, the TARDIS or Idris or whatever the character's name wants to be. Uh-huh. But you also... in my way, you kind of heard a little bit of um, the Bad Wolf from Rose because she has that same kind of ethereal air about her. So it was it was beautiful. I I just hope that you know we can have more episodes of that quality. Oh, yeah, it's definitely vice bar. And I think the thing is, he was he was given the uh, the encyclopedia of, of of what to use in Doctor Who because he he brought up. Okay, the desktop theme thing came in again. Um, so it was nice to see the, the old TARDIS console room, but I personally, I would have preferred to have seen one from, you know, either the mm-hmm. fourth or fifth Doctor one. But you can, you can see why budgetary constraints more than anything, plus they've already got that uh, set still built. I think it's taken down now. But um, they used the cloister bell in this, of course, which is the... Um, the, the warning system that the TARDIS has that was first used back in Logopolis, which is the fourth Doctor episode. There's mentions of the Eye of Orion in this, uh, which is, you know... But the one thing that I like as well, and this is another uh, Frost connection, is my, uh, Michael Sheen playing the voice of House, which I thought was a, a brilliant, you know, coup to get him as well. And not a lot of people knew it was him. I, I totally agree. Um, I, ju- I just like how calm... 
he sounded throughout the episode. Like, he's this yeah. malevolent being, but he doesn't have to use anger. He's just very, you know, nonchalant about everything. And it's he lets other people take out their emotions for him. I mean, look at the Rory scene. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. That was terrifying. I mean, that yeah. made up for the previous death of Rory in the last episode. Oh, well, again, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because... This was the scene with, with, with uh, Arthur Darvill, uh when he was made up as the old Rory, screaming at Amy as the door closes, saying, Shane, how could you do it to me? I, my heart was in my mouth because I was thinking, Arthur, you have, you have really, you know, you've pulled the stops here because that was fantastic acting. Uh, there is a, there's a bit of a geeky debate here, so let's, uh, let's have one. Uh, why not? And any listeners out there, if you want to throw in your comments, head to the forums. There's a debate rages as to whether TARDIS stands for time and relative dimensions in space or time and relative dimension in space. Now, the Doctor's wife, the latter acronym is cited, but the Doctor has used both versions. So, Kenny, what do you think there? Is it is it important or is it just a slip of the tongue there? Wow, I didn't, you know, I honestly didn't even hear that, so I didn't know. I, personally, I would say it's no importance. I mean, I think it was just a slip of the tongue. I always heard it was the first one you said. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, the first one. <clears throat> That's how I've always known it as. So, no, I mean, I didn't even realize it in the show that, that it was being said differently. Yeah, Casey? I don't think it matters. I mean, it's basically, you're talking about the big difference in S makes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really, you're going to argue about a, about whether or not a word is plural you know that you know that people will though, don't you? That's the thing that people. Will, oh yeah. People will be throwing their iPod against the wall. Uh, <laughs> it does matter, damn you! It does. But uh, I mean, yeah, I agree. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. I, I, I think um, I'm sure that uh, Susan, in the very first episode of uh, Doctor Who and an Earthly Child, does say it's time and relative dimensions in space. Um, so, and she says she names it. So. Of course, you know that's a little bit of a little bit of a query nowadays. But uh, once to remember. But there you go. Uh, brilliant episode. Uh, I'd probably go so far as to say, in my opinion, that was the best episode of New Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's it's uh, there's some season two episodes that I just totally adored. So it's hard to say it's the best, but it was it's definitely up in the top five of my list. It's it still it still doesn't beat Girl in the Fireplace as my favorite. I will agree with Meds when I say it is the best written Doctor Who. It's the best acted. It's the episode that pretty much you this is probably the episode that you can probably show old fans of Who that haven't seen New Who to convince them to watch it. Uh, right, so we uh, head on now to episode five, The Rebel Flesh, uh, broadcast on Saturday, twenty first of May. There are people coming. Well, almost. Almost coming. Almost people. They're monsters. Mistakes. They have to be destroyed. If we want to live, then it's time to go to war. Hello. How are you all getting on? Only the Doctor can prevent an escalation of hostilities, sorry, hostilities, but all is not 
as it seems. Uh, some nice um, guest stars in this, uh, Mark Barner, Marshall Lancaster, who a lot of people would know from Life on Mars, uh, Sarah, Ma, uh, Sarah Smart, uh, Michael Cassidy and Dion Vickers. I quite like another dark episode, uh, Casey. Yeah, it was a very dark episode. Um, it's definitely uh, one of the better ones of the season. And I just like the philosophy it kind of presents in this two-parter of um, what does it mean to be human, which is why I love Data from TNG, which is why I love Battlestar Galactica. It kind of says, these things are not human. Why do you think they're not? Why do you think, why do you think they're not sentient? And also, what makes a monster? Uh, I enjoyed this episode. It was very, very well done. Very freaky. Very, you know, lot, as you said, there are lots of dark episodes this season, and this one definitely fits the bill. It was enjoyable. It was. I thought, I thought the actors did a great job because they're playing dual roles. Yeah. You know, they're playing their regular themselves and their doppelgangers. Just it was lots of story. I mean, there is some action in it, but lots and lots of story. Uh, I still don't understand why the doctor put his hand in that goo. I don't know if he was compelled to or. Or maybe it was just for the story reasons, so they can make a, a doppelganger doctor. Yeah. But, you know, it, there, I don't think there was really any reason for him to do it. I think he touched it because he sensed life in it. Just like um, in Season 3, he sensed uh, life in the sun and realized it was alive uh, yeah. back in the Episode 42. Um, I think he, I think that's why he touched it, because he was just like, this thing is alive. It. It's not just, you know, goo to make doppelgangers that, you know, you control. It's mm-hmm. it's a living thing. Yeah, no, brilliant. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think he, I agree with you, Casey. I think it's because, in fact, he sensed there was something there. Also, we all know this is going to be a, a link to later on uh, with the... Because I, I don't think that other doctors, well, which happens later on, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I think he's yeah. done that deliberately. Yeah. Um, Thank you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was just some really clever acting uh, going on in this. Uh, awesome location uh, footage as well. Uh, this was shot when um, England uh, was, well, England and Wales was suffering a severe uh, snowstorm. Uh, it really did affect the country. It shut the country down for a week. And uh, amazingly, they, they all got through to um, shooting uh, and, and completing the episodes. Now, all those people who uh, said they couldn't get their cars off the drive and couldn't be bothered to turn up for work, shame on you, because uh, oh. the doctor here people did it. Um, this was not the first time. Uh, oh, let's just point out here, uh, Matt Smith, how creepy he looked. Uh, oh, yes. At the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man, that was been... I think what made him more creepy was the fact that he had the bow tie on, you know. It, it was just really weird. Great episode, great well, great first part of course of, uh, of this episode. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good, and of course this uh, leads on to episode six, the Almost People broadcast on the twenty eighth of May. I have a plan. Hurry, me! And it'll destroy them all. You're one of us, Doctor. Sold a 
Storm rages on. Jennifer's ganger seeks revenge, and Rory is cut off from the rest of the humans, said Rory. Uh, as, the crumbling yeah. factory, <laughs> as the crumbling factory fills with toxic fumes and drips lethal acid, Amy is about to find out if two doctors really are better than one. I, I definitely think that the second episode was good. Um, going on with what you said, I don't think it's Amy thinking if two doctors are better than one. I think she's thinking is one, is one doctor better than the other? Because she's just like, you're not the doctor. You can sacrifice yourself and he can stay because that yeah. one's mine. I just like how she's more prejudiced against, you know, the doppelgangers than Rory is where he, and he's dealing with Jennifer who is kind of the more monstrous of them, and he wants to help her. He, yeah. He's kind of going the doctor route in this, in these past two episodes, where he wants to help other life, you know, become, you know, human and civilized mm. and accepted. Do you, th- you think this is more because of the fact that he was once made out of plastic himself? That too. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, he's lived two thousand years as you know, as a plastic centurion, as an auton, uh, mm-hmm. and then suddenly he sees other people being made out of wax and plastic kind of stuff, and he, I think that's where he gets the, you know, the bond with her. Uh, there's also a nice little bit of you know mild, you know, a lot of times mild sexual chemistry between those two, uh, which is which is good I think because you always kind of get that at the opposite way around with the Doctor and the Doctor and Amy, which you know sometimes mm-hmm. happens every now and again. So it was nice to see like roles reverse slightly I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in regards to Rory, I thought Rory enjoyed being the hero mm-hmm. because he's Amy and the Doctor seem to always come to his rescue. And for the first time, he was actually coming to the rescue of this girl. So, you know, I think he enjoyed that aspect, you know. Because, mm. I mean, he was definitely turning a blind eye to some things. I mean, some things are just horrible. And, of course, it's all, you know, he's on the wrong side because she's evil. Yeah. But he, he doesn't know this. No, no, no. No. But, you know, but he's still, t- I, I don't know. There's something about him turning away from Amy and, and the doctor to help this other group still. Mm. That, that that bothered me. But overall, I mean, it, was, it was a great story. And of course, as Casey said, this had one of the biggest OMG moments at the very end. Um, yeah, when, uh, when uh, Amy is not Amy. Mm. And uh, turns to goo. Which I had not a clue that was happening. I didn't have a clue that was... I didn't have a clue that was happening either. But it also answered the question that's been going on throughout the season. Because... The doctor is scanning for the pregnancy inside yes. Amy, and it says positive and negative, and it flips yeah. back and forth. And it's just like, how can she be pregnant and not be pregnant? And yeah. then yeah. the doctor tells Rory to step away, to, and as soon as he aims his sonic screwdriver and she turns to flesh, I was like, oh, what? Oh, yeah, I mean, it was a really, really look on Arthur Darvel's face as well. Uh, just just total, total shock. Uh, one of the scenes that really bothered me, actually, was the pile of um, used uh, bodies in the corner yeah. all blinking. That was mm-hmm. that was quite, quite hideous. Um, from a Doctor Who geeky uh, fan, I have to say, the moment with the doppelganger doctor struggling to cope with all the past lives um, was one, 
fantastic acting by Matt Smith. Again, the emotion he pulls out. Um, but we get to hear uh, lines from William Hartnell's episode where um, he says, one day we will be back. Um, there's a John Pertwee's quote, a reverse of polarity of the neutron flow. Tom Baker, which is actually Tom Baker's voice you hear saying, would you like a jelly baby? <laughs> and, uh, and the David Tennant, I'm the Doctor. Now, what I particularly really liked was... Uh, Matt Smith then saying, no, we've moved on. That, to me, was a little bit of a thing of, look, guys, I'm the doctor now. You know, yeah. we don't need, you know, we don't need to use, you know, the past two doctors. I think it's always good to have the old, older doctors mm -hmm. uh, because it's very important. You know, the, the past two doctors, the Eccleston and Tennis, are still fresh in people's heads. So I think that was a, a, a lovely little nod to that. But that acting, I mean, that's what I, I, I re-ran that bit on my, my DVR to play several times because I just thought it was brilliant and really, really well directed, I have to say, because, uh, you know, you've got a, Matt Smith standing and Matt Smith and then doing the roles reverse as well. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. seemed absolute, absolute seamless stuff. Really, really good. And as you say, we left at the end with, um, with Amy lying on the hospital bed with uh, that eye patch lady looking even more scary. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, what, what an end. And uh, well, this takes us to, of uh, course, our final episode, episode seven, A Good Man Goes to War, broadcast over here on the UK on Saturday the 4th of June. This is the day he finds out who I am. My friend, you have never risen higher. On this day, in this place, the Doctor will fall. Where is my wife? So this episode, this is the episode where we finally, kind of, <laughs> find out who River Song is, where the Doctor now faces his darkest hour, where the Sontarman, the Silurian, and Cyber Forces for once are not the most dangerous threat to the Time Lord. Okay, I'm going to leave my views on this to last, and I'm going to go straight. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go straight to Kenny. Kenny, you're. Oh yeah, all right. I. I've seen this twice so far. I just I just, I just aired in the U.S. last night, mm -hmm. so it's still fresh in my head. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was it was it was it was it was, it was, a, it was a typical like Russell T. Davies type of thing where they get all the companions from previous you know shows, mm -hmm. so, but this time he went back and got all his previous enemies uh, or ones that owe him a debt to to w wage this battle against these. You know this this army that's per, that's trying to take uh, Melody. Yeah. Um, it was just it was just well done. I mean, we don't even see the Doctor for like 10, 15 minutes of the show at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It's just his box showing up collecting people. You know he doesn't show up until the monk hood comes off. Yeah. Um, you know I just it, it it was just it was just really it was fun to see the previous characters from previous seasons of Matt Smith. Mm -hmm. You know that was that was really cool, and um, yeah, it was just I loved Rory in his uh, outfit, Roman's outfit at the very beginning, and I love the fact that when when Amy is talking to the baby, you're thinking really that she's talking about the doctor, or, or maybe you're supposed to think that, but then all of a sudden, you know, because I mean the way she mentions him, she sounds like she's talking about the doctor, yeah, and then all of a sudden she says, you know, he's your father, and you're like, okay. <laughs> you know <laughs> what's going on now, and I like the fact you know River. What I, I called this from the very very beginning that I knew what River was and who she was. And, but when she was skipping, just getting back from birthday, 
you know, skating on the Thames or whatever yeah. it was with uh, Stevie Wonder in the 1800s. <laughs> um, and she sees Rory. You could just, you could see it in her eyes. I loved her acting in this. Hmm. You just knew instantly, at least I did, like, you know, she's looking at her dad. Yeah. And, and it was just such a great moment. And, you know, and she couldn't come and, you know, because they can't occupy the, I'm assuming they can't occupy the same space at the same time. Is that why she couldn't come? No. She had to wait? I think it's something that she had to wait. Okay. Because uh, um, they, they cannot, because obviously they've had that episode in Father's Day, didn't they, where Rose was in the same area as herself. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So that, that is that true. Be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was a nice mid-season ending. Mm. It tied up some loose ends. It told a big, huge, you know, secret that's been, you've been wondering about since season four of who River Song actually is, but still it left you with lots of questions yeah. for the following season. Oh, definitely. I kind of want to say that, um, I kind of called it when, I called it when, officially, when she saw Rory that she was most likely Melody, but I also kind of called it when the, in the day of the moon, the little girl at the very end who says she's dying, and, oh, but yeah. she'll, yeah. she'll be okay, and does the thing. I was talking with Kevin about it, and I was just like, you know it would be funny? If that was River Song. <laughs> <laughs> and he was yep. just like, that would actually be a really good, that would be a really good twist. And lo and behold, I'm right. What up? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this is the perfect way to end the first half of season six. Rory, Rory, Arthur Darville is definitely the scene stealer in this. I think he's very much the hero, more so than the yeah. doctor. Because it, they talk about the doctor when a good man goes to war, but I think it's really more about, I personally think it's more about Rory because you don't get between, um, meds you, pro, you probably know because we talk about talked about this before in previous episodes about Doctor Who, you don't get between a parent and his child at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I love this episode. I really <laughs> do. Uh, one, because all the reasons that, that you both have said, Rory, Casey, I mean, you've nailed it there. It is all, I think actually season, is a season series, is all about Rory. I think this whole thing is dedicated to him. Um, the one thing, of course, we have to remember is when we first met with the song, uh, back in that library, she turned around and said that she's in prison because she's killed a good man. Yes. Now, mm -hmm. I, which is one thing to worry about because we've, and I think this is when I, I clicked a while ago when I was thinking about that, that she could be, Rory could be, I didn't really think too much about you, but uh, more the fact with Rory is the big connection. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, for her, her most important person would be her father. But that might slightly change, and I'll tell you that why in a minute. Big, big thing for me is seeing the Cybermen. Now, if you'll notice that the Cybermen in this episode, they don't have a C on their chest. Uh, so this relates to the fact that they're not the Cybermen from the uh, past series, which the mm -hmm. ones that were made, these are the real Cybermen. These are the proper ones. Um, and with Rory standing there and they explode in the background, oh, I mean, I was there thinking, <laughs> Rory, man, you rock, you really do. Um, I have to say a massive, a massive well done to Simon Fisher-Becker, who played uh, Dorian, the, the, the blue fat fellow. Mm -hmm. yeah. He was brilliant. Um, the only thing I didn't like that, you know when the TARDIS turned up and it opens and you've got Matt Smith's silhouette? 
I don't think that was Matt Smith. I think oh, that, no, was, that, that was a waxwork or something, because the way he just catching it turned. It oh, yeah. God, it was awful. Yeah, I, agree. I was thinking, you could have just had him standing there, leaning against the door, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, Jenny, I think all of us kind of hoped that when we heard the name Jenny, uh, it was going to be the Doctor's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't. But uh, still, wonderfully played by Catherine Stewart. Shame that she died. Um, I loved it. I just loved everything about it. This episode. I, I love the fact that he's hiding as one of the headless monks, and they were creepy. That was pretty good. Oh yeah. Um, just yeah. waiting for George Lucas to sue the BBC there for using saws with lasers on. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it will happen, or you'll see it at the bottom. Um, the Santaran as well. Um, that was a that was a lovely. A lovely move, uh, played by Dan Starkey. Uh, I thought he was a brilliant sometime. Um, just thought, uh, you know, the way he's helping, he's a, he's a nurse. You know, uh, yeah. a, another connection there to Rory. Um, I'm going to bring up something here now that in the background there were some drapes behind the, the army guy. And they had symbols on. Now, those symbols was also on the, the arm patch that River Song was wearing when she was in her army fatigues. Uh, this symbol is the symbol of Omega. Who I mentioned earlier on. Mm. Amiga is the creator of the Time Lords. He was the one who worked with Rassilon, who was the president, as played by Timothy Dalton, uh, to create Time Lord technology. Amiga was killed during experimentation, although so believed to be killed, and came back as a bit of a nasty piece of work, uh, and the, created the hand of Omega. Now, Amiga is, is classed as a person, obviously, who created uh, the father of the Time Lords. So he'd be, in essence, a good man. So, is this the person who Riversong kills? Wow. Hmm. Hmm. There you go. So, everyone listening out there, if you suddenly start typing in symbol of Amiga, you'll see the two things connected, and suddenly all these things might, might, we don't know, probably not at all, because we all know that it, uh, Stephen Muffet loves to keep everyone guessing. In fact, um, there's only a couple of people who knew the last line, uh, and let's, let's, let's talk about this Dee's last scene. So, Amy's pregnant, although, of course, we don't find out, of course, it's another plastic baby, which must have been annoying, uh, he brings out the cut. Now, this old time little cut, and he says he slept in there. So this, mm-hmm. is, the, this is the doctor's cut. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's quite old, but bear in mind that, the, and I've had this argument many times before, the doctor is not 900 years old. He's around about 1,500 years old. Um, he just doesn't love to say his age, because you know when you look at it, he was 500 years old when he was the second doctor. So it means he's been pretty pretty careless with his, with his lives, personally. So this is a really old cut. And then when River Songs turn around and says, you know, look at the front of it, Alex Kingston has hinted that it's not just uh, the Doctor's name on there, which, of course, no one ever knows, unless you go and look at Longbow. It's got her name on the front of it, but it could have other people's name on it. So that's something else to think about as well. So this cut is pretty important. And I think, with the, I think Stephen Moffat's done pulled a blinder there. Especially saying the names in Gallifreyan, because like mm-hmm. you know, he actually can't translate it. That mm-hmm. that to me was that that to me was the the you know the the the, the, the old jaw dropping moment. But this is the bit that confused me slightly. She announces to the doctor that she's you know you know who she is, so he knows, and he goes, "Oh, we did." Uh, and you make yes, we did. And he's like, "Ooh," and he's all giddy and like a bit naughty, and then runs off. He's all excited and goes. And I'm thinking to myself, "That's there's still more to come." There's still more to come about with the song, and him because we need we need okay we know who she is and where she comes from, and if she's got time lord DNA, that would work for the little girl that we mentioned earlier on who regenerates. If that mm-hmm. is still the little girl, 
we, we still don't 100% know that. You know, that's still yeah. not, it's still not 100%, we're only presuming. Mm -hmm. So there's still more to do with Doctor and River. So, oh, yeah. That's I mean, yeah. Well, the other thing is, is if if that is if River is half Time Lord or has Time Lord in her, why didn't she? Why did she die during that? What during season four, when she could have just regenerated when that body was killed? Maybe, yeah. maybe that was her final regeneration. Could be, but well, yeah, maybe, maybe she's limited because she's human too. Oh, yeah, maybe it's not. Did we see the body though of River mm. when she died? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't remember. I just know that she. Sacrificed herself. She just she just disappeared, though, didn't she? She went into the mainframe, so yeah. we saw her on the in the computer. So, but, but we don't we don't definitely see her dead. So that's a yeah. Uh, but I don't honestly, I don't know if Stephen would have thought that far ahead. No, this character, you know, to backtrack it that way. That's the one issue about her going backwards in time is that mm. things she does in the past are already done. We can't redo those. No, right. You know, but I agree. I, she's not done yet. We're not done with her. Oh, no. She's definitely, and 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 we might be we might be done with Alex Kingston, of course, because obviously she's getting older and she's meant to be getting younger. But we're certainly not done with River Song. Yeah, you know, it could be. Yeah. I think. Well, I know there's there's a rumor going around that that River might become the next companion because uh, Karen and Arthur haven't signed on for season seven yet. Yeah, because we don't know what happens to them at the end of this season, do we? <laughs> no, I mean, are they? Go, I mean, if they are they going to get River back? Do they want to continue to travel with the baby? You know. There's lots of questions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've not, I've not, I've seen a few clips and I've seen a few still so far. Um, yeah. Which I'm not going to say now because this is okay, guys. This is obviously a spoiler for the one to one to seven, but we're not yeah. going to give any spoilers out for for the rest of the series. I, I, I know. Quite I don't want to know. So that, I don't know nothing. So I know great. nothing. Nah, you see, yeah. see my, my brain is full of, full of rubbish. Uh, there's a nice little interesting uh, geeky fact here which we'll, we'll end on. Uh, Stephen Moffat has pointed out that episode 7 of the series is also the 777th episode of Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, there's no seven puns in it, but also, of course, the uh, Moya 777 uh, and our forums might be interested, of course. A good man goes to war. 777. Hmm. <laughs> I loved. I, I still. I still. I thought it was ingenious of Stephen to call her Melody Pond, and her name is River Song, mm. which is so. I mean, once I saw the baby's name, yeah, you're like, you just know it I all mean, comes together. Yeah. Melody for song and Pond for river. Yeah, it was. It was just so well written. It was. Yeah. It was. It was a sad, a very satisfying conclusion. To that part of her story, you know, was, to knowing who River is, it's a, it's a good it's a good main course, and we can't wait for the pudding. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had a we've had a email, we've had an MP3 come through, and this is from uh, uh, Dan Vieira, our mate Dan Gellis on the forum. So let's play that now. Hi guys, Dan here, Dangelus on the forums. Doctor Who, what can I say? Fantastic as ever. Matt Smith is an amazing Doctor. Really enjoying the season. Um, I do have a comment. Uh, it centres around the current story arc, or the complexity of it, should I say. Is it alienating s s the casual viewer? I'm not sure. Uh, I've not looked into the media on it, but um, I do feel that the, um, the direction of the story is going is quite a complex one at the moment, and it makes the, the viewer think quite hard about what's going on. I don't think it's as... Um, as casual a view as it used to be maybe uh, when Russell T Davis was um, in charge 
Um, I don't I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I enjoy complex complex stories myself, but you know, I wonder if it is alienating anybody. And do you feel that um, there are elements to to it where it might be doing that? Anyway, be interesting to hear your comments and your thoughts. Speak to you soon. Bye. That's uh, Dan there. Thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, he brings up an interesting point there about is this series uh, too complicated? Uh, Casey, do you think it's a, a really complicated episode for probably new uh, viewers of Doctor Who? It, that's a very good, as well as a very loaded question. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, well, it also depends on the viewer. I mean, you look at the show, which is supposed to be a family show, and usually... Kids are usually the more dedicated of the TV watchers because they'll either watch the show or they won't. It's really the adults, which it's kind of more geared toward, which towards what who are the more casual viewers. So um, uh, that's that's a really good question. I just I don't want it to get lost syndrome where people are starting to look for signs for the next episode and what the major plot will be. But I don't think I think it is trying to broaden its audience and trying to draw adults in. So maybe the complicated story is a good thing. Um, yeah, that's good. It, it's a very good question. Uh, I don't necessarily think that any of the Doctor Who is really easily you can just enter into it. I mean, you need to know some history of it. You need to know, you know, some of the some of the background to enjoy it at least. Maybe not to maybe. Uh, I guess you can enjoy it if you just watch it one-off, but if you really know the history of it, or if you watch the previous six seasons, you can get more out of it, maybe. Hmm. But this season definitely, definitely had more of an ongoing story arc, where you really did need to know what was going on hmm. to get the full meaning of it. Like, season five, there were a lot of one-offs, even though the crack was throughout the entire story. Yeah. It was, they were still individual. It was, you know... You could still enjoy each episode on its own, for the most part. There were some two-parters, but each one was fun. This season was definitely a lot different, at least the beginning of the season. We're only half over, so... No, I, I, I really agree with you both. I mean, I, I look at it from a, a point of being a Doctor Who fan who's uh, watched watched it from, well, obviously watched it from 79, but I've seen all, virtually all the available episodes of Doctor Who. And uh, I've seen complicated ones, if anybody remembers the, the, you know, the Trial of a Time Lord and the War Games and, and all that. Those those can be a bit complicated episodes. And frankly, you know, I, I don't care. I'd rather have uh, episodes that do kind of like make you think a little bit every now and again, keep you on your toes a little bit. Um, but obviously throw in the odd episode like the, you know, the, the pirate ship one. Um, just to, to add a little bit of comedy value to it, I suppose. Um, but mm-hmm. no, uh, basically, you know, fantastic, fantastic series. Nice to have a little bit of, uh, you know, making you think. It, it, I can see what, what what Dan says that, you know, are we going to get lost somewhere along the line? And as Casey says, we don't want that, you know, in brackets, lost scenario. Um, but I, I think I think Muffet's too tight on the reins to let that wonder too much I think mm-hmm. um, so we've got a, we've got a couple of months left now I think we've got three uh, what are we in June, June, July August about three or four months until the next uh, well part B starts mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm thinking we'll be teaming up again for another Treks in Sci-Fi Doctor Who episode then uh, which should be fun and, and no, hopefully be we'll either be smiling and going oh my god or we'll be there and it'll be about an hour of silence that was just shaking our heads Oh, I don't think so. I doubt yeah. it. I doubt it. They, 
they've definitely taken season six into a whole new realm. I mean, the Doctor's different. Uh, he's much. He seems a lot more angrier, mm. more emotion. Um, actually, I honestly didn't like Amy this season. There's something about her character. Well, I think this is. The, I mean, I, I was. A, I, I thought the exact same thing until I realised it. Of course, we wasn't watching Amy. We was watching a, a clone version of her that wasn't that acting is, as she said. You're, that is very true. But I. I mean, I'm hoping they put that much thought into it, and it just wasn't. Just not the proper. You know, there's something about her that bugged me. I loved her in season five. Mm. I adored her, and then this season. I don't, I, I'm not feeling it for her, and I don't know why. I don't know if she's too whiny, or if she's, she's changed somehow, and I don't, and maybe because she is not Amy, you know? Yeah. Maybe from here on out with uh, the second half of Six, it'll be the Amy that I love. But, um, you know, Rory's definitely stepped up this season, and uh, the Doctor, like I said, the Doctor's been very angry. Yeah. A lot. I, I'm going so. to, I'm going to defend Amy, and say that it wasn't really Amy, but both of them were pregnant and experiencing <laughs> pregnancy syndromes. So maybe that was the issue why she was whiny. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Kenny, let's, uh, let's face it, we can't argue with a woman when they bring up stuff like that. Anything to do with possible hormonal moments, uh, we'll yeah. just have to bow out. <laughs> All right, I understand. You, you don't question a woman when she needs her chocolate. <laughs> You just don't do it. (laughs) Tell me about it. I'm married to someone who's got a bigger chocolate addiction than me, and that says something, I tell you. We're even eating the child's chocolate now, so I mean, that says it all, really, doesn't it? Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I'd like to say a special thanks, Kenny. Thank you for joining me, my mate. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And Casey, always love to have you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's always fun. And uh, we'll see you all uh, on the forums. If you haven't joined uh, the Treks in Sci-Fi forums, please do head over there. It's a great community uh, full of friendly people, always willing to have a good old debate and also have a laugh. Uh, Not like uh, a lot of forums, uh, which is just a load of nasty people having a whinge. Uh, We'll see you uh, in a few months' time. And uh, we'd like to say, of course, thank you to Rico for letting us uh, take over his captain's chair again. Uh, See you all very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye.
Come on, forget it, baby. 